0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast daily. It is Tuesday and on March 7th, that can only mean one thing Bill Landis and me, Austin Ward, get to go cover spring practice. We made it. We made Uh, it. God, it took forever. It's, I
1: mean, it feels like, it feels like six years since the last time we got to go watch the Buckeyes uh, practice on the football field. And I want, I I do want to make the point that we are genuinely very excited about the prospect of getting back out there. Cause I feel like the Monday Daily got off the rails a little bit to the point where maybe, maybe it came off like we weren't excited. We are very much so excited uh, for Ohio State <laughs> to get back to practicing.
0: Yeah. And that we just kicked Berm off today's show so that this would be a dab free zone. <laughs> because um, I got a feeling he's going to do that on Snappy Jays and probably at Roosters and everywhere else uh, on Tuesday. But yes, and maybe we just said it so much that people thought we were lying when we were doing all the position previews and we were mocking the idea of spring ball. Like, no, I am genuinely excited to go see those guys move around, even for just 30 minutes, mm-hmm. hopefully longer. Jerry sometimes, uh, Jerry and Quinn and the head ball coach sometimes will say, well, just put those cameras down and watch a little more ball after that. I will be uh, praying to the sports information gods tonight. That the- Oh, I'm sorry. I just gave away that this is Monday. Um, that we get that opportunity on Tuesday. And then we also had somebody ask us, Bill, like, is the first practice, is there any actual value in that? They asked us that on the message board on ohiostate.rivals.com. I know what my answer is. What, how do you feel about day one? Yeah,
1: I I think there is. Ryan Day has tended to treat this sort of like an OTA, so um, they're not. I don't I don't believe they're in full pads usually on the first day of spring ball. No. It's it's like non contact. We're not watching like scrimmaging or anything like that. But I do find it instructive. Honestly, as like as stupid as it sounds like how guys line up on the first day of spring, because I think that can tell you a little something about how the staff sort of views where guys are coming into these 15 practices. It can change over the course of the 15 to look very different by the time we get to the spring game. But uh, the the months preceding this, which we don't talk a ton about, but the the winter conditioning, the, the mat drills, all that stuff, those matter uh, insofar as like where where guys sort of slot into the pecking order at the beginning of spring practice. So I'm always very interested interested to see kind of who's lining up where if we do get to see position position drills like who's working together, who might be like a second team guy. Doesn't mean like the depth chart is set by any means at this point, but it does tell us sort of where where things are starting off from.
0: Yeah, and this doesn't happen every time, but I mentioned this this anecdote and it's the one that always sticks in my mind. Does the first day matter? Well yeah, there's plenty of times for things to change. And the competition is only really beginning, but Ohio State does evaluate it in January and February how you are performing uh, during mat drills and winter conditioning. If you, uh, you know, meet meet that gold Buckeye standard, uh, if you're developing the leadership skills, and I remember just going out for day one, not in pads, not full contact, in Ohio State lining up, and everybody anticipated in 2014 that Trey Johnson was going to be—he was the former five star. This was his year to take over a starting job at outside linebacker. And when we went in there and Darren Lee was leading the line and it was like, okay, something has changed here. Something is resonating. And that that doesn't happen every single time. But it did set the tone for what was going to come. He had earned the first opportunity to claim that job and he never gave it back. And Trey Johnson dealt with injuries. This is not a knock on him. But we Darren Lee became a first round draft pick and one of the most important players on a national championship team. And the only the first sign of that publicly was the first practice of spring ball. And that changed everything in the course of that for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, I remember. So I I started covering the team that fall. So that August is when I started. So I didn't I didn't see those spring drills, but I remember. I guess it would have been the 2016 spring practice when they had a an opening on the offensive line, and I uh, like maybe like Matthew Burrow and some of the guys that got in the 2015 recruiting class. We were wondering like, all right, who's going to step up? And then we get out there, and Michael Jordan is running with the first team's offensive line. We're like, you guys are going to start a true freshman. Never Myers like, yeah, what, what, is that a big deal? I'm like, yes, <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> so, uh, stuff like that is. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think like what that could be when we get out there on Tuesday. I'm not really sure. Maybe like Carson Hinsman, maybe being at the front of the line with the offensive mm-hmm. line. Um, But th- yeah, those things happen. I mean, even, even if they don't happen, even if it's not quite that drastic, uh, it is still a, a worthwhile viewing experience for us.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know that we, we could throw darts and a couple guys and hope that one of them hits. I mean, uh, where is CJ Hicks lineup on day one? Mm-hmm. I think everyone's going to be watching for that is, yeah, uh, is Sonny Styles lined up with the, you know, if we see a look at an 11, even if they're not running full contact, full go, you know, sometimes you just get a peek at that stuff, walk through early on in camp. So uh, it, you would think that it would most likely happen on defense more so than offense. But, um, you know, I know that you'll be watching to see who's with the tackles. Uh, certainly, as you mentioned, Carson Hensman there with the center. So there'll be a lot certainly to watch. And then once that's over, we'll have an opportunity to follow up with everybody's favorite Tuesday activity, which is what questions are on bill Landis's mind. He's going to have a chance to ask Ryan day, something Jim Knowles, and then uh, a list of players that I'm not sure has been confirmed yet, but I think we can uh, guess that they will probably defensive players. Um, We'll set those aside. If you're just getting ready to talk to Ryan day and Jim Knowles, what is on uh, the front of your mind? Well,
1: since you mentioned it, it, it is CJ Hicks. Um, because his name, I, I don't believe his name was said when we talked to Jim Knowles um, in f- early February, I guess that was, or late January, I can't quite remember. But when we talked to all the assistant coaches, uh, Jim Knowles has asked a lot about like, hey, year two of the defense, what's going on? And you got Tommy and Steele back, that's cool. James L. R. Knight, is a see a nice guy? And like CJ Hicks, his name didn't didn't come up ever, um, which I suppose is understandable given the context of, of everything else that's happening. But I would very much like to know uh, uh, what Jim Knowles thinks of, of year one of CJ, where he could go in year two. Um, if honestly, if he regrets at all, not not getting him on the field, it, it remains puzzling to me that he didn't play at all. Like, I, I if the answer is like, well, he's a freshman, he wasn't ready. Like, okay, but a lot of freshmen aren't ready. They still they still find time to to get on the field, even if it was just for a handful of snaps. I think that could have been valuable for CJ, um, if anything, to maybe like help his the, the mental side of things a little bit, keep him engaged. And, and that's not to say that he wasn't engaged because he seemed fairly locked in. He played a ton on special teams, and that, and that matters too. Um, but the idea that he got no snaps at linebacker was is is a bit surprising to me, and um, uh, I I can't imagine that they, th- at least my personal opinion is they can't go through another season with that happening, and and I would hope that they think the same thing. Uh, so I want to kind of pick Jim Knowles's brain on that a, a little bit to see how he
0: views CJ's place in his defense in 2023. Yeah, we mentioned that on Monday's episode as well. Like, I mean, Tommy Eichenberg is going to be out as he recovers from surgery. Steel Chambers, I. Don't- that's sort of an interesting dynamic with him. Like, you know, Jim Knowles has talked about him becoming more comfortable and it it feels like kind of crazy to still be talking about transitioning from running back after two years of playing there and doing it at a high level. But you know, how much work do they feel like he needs? You know, he's, he's in gotta be close to that 2000 rep club that Mm -hmm. urban Meyer used to talk about back in the day. Like that earns you a little bit of a reprieve going through spring ball. Do they think that he's still got another step forward to take it linebacker, that they need him to get some work in spring? Or does that just fully clear the deck and just go out and say, you know, you guys played almost every snap last season. Let's get some work, more work for CJ Hicks, Cody Simon, Reed Carico, Gabe Powers down the line. Like those, those guys need it because, as you said, like – The benefit is those two starters were healthy and they played every snap and you know what they can give you. The downside is that it came at the expense of developing some of the young players. So this is the time, I guess, to play catch up with that um, because you don't know for sure if you're going to be lucky enough to get another full healthy season. Everyone can knock on wood, but like you you don't know. And Mm. they put so much on the plate of those two guys um, justifiably, but you, you're gonna need some security at some point, whether that's because you're gonna you might want to play a third linebacker more often, whether that's because CJ Hicks might help at Jack or Leo, or just because maybe your luck runs out a little bit. That's yeah. the linebacker spot you wouldn't think would be that uh important or interesting in spring, but it could be.
1: Yeah, I th- I think it could be. I- I'm also curious about that position group too, just like where where exactly do Reed Carrico and Gabe Powers kind of fit in positionally, which probably sounds crazy because they only have two linebacker spots. But like this time last year, or or maybe it was – after the first week of spring or something, we're talking a lot about Reed Carico and like the Sam linebacker. If they ever played three linebackers, that's where Reed can slot in. And then when it came time to do that in the games and put that on the field, it was just Cody Simon. And which is fine. Like I thought I thought Cody Simon had a good year last year and in, in the bit that he played. He was he was better last year, I thought, than he was the year before, even though he played less. Um, hmm. but you have a you have a lot of guys there who who wanna play Reed's going into his third year in the program. He definitely wants to, wants to play or at least know where he stands. Um and Gabe powers too, like his a lot of us viewed him as a guy that could potentially grow into a, a rush end. Is is that still a possibility? Is he definitely a linebacker? He hasn't maybe put on as much weight as I thought he would to this point. So so perhaps he is a linebacker. But then if he is, what's that development path look like? You're, you're right. It's not of all the positions you could you know list in terms of most intriguing. Linebacker is pretty far down, but they we are assuming they're going to be first up, and, and I do think there's some interesting things to get into there. Okay. That's Jim Knowles and linebackers. What else? Um, I So, like, if we're in a world where Ryan Day is going to give up a little bit to Brian Hartline, Brian Hartline is going to take on more than he's had in the past. I I am a bit curious sort of what practice is going to look like for those guys. Is is Ryan Day going to spend a little more time with the defense in practice? Is he going to have more of a hands-on deal with, with special teams in practice? Like, when we, when we go there, and granted, we don't get to watch – Every little thing that they do, we get to watch typically a half hour if we get to watch it all. But, but Ryan Day is very often with the quarterbacks. Um, is that still going to be the case? And, and like, you know, if, if there was ever a year where that was going to be the case, it probably is this one. But, um, if he yeah. is trying to take, take some things off of his plate, how does that impact that position? And then is Brian Hartline with the receivers all the time or is he roaming around to the offensive linemen, to the running backs, to the quarterbacks? And, and if he does do that, then, Who's picking up the slack for him at receiver? I would assume it's it's Devin Jordan, right? Who's been sort of his number number mm-hmm. two guy there, helping the receivers. What maybe? What do they think of him in terms of being able to to pick up some of that slack for for Brian Hartline? So maybe the answer is nothing changes and Brian just stays with the receivers until they go full team offense. But um, I I I want to ask about it, but I'm also interested to get eyeballs mm-hmm. on when we get to watch those thirty minutes to see if there's anything different with the operation of practice and, and what Ryan Day and Brian Hartline do.
0: That's really the catch twenty two of all of this. If you if you feel like you have to make a change, and certainly after, um, you know, the game and what happened with the offense and that, I, we thought that was probably going to happen for Ryan Day and maybe even needed to, but they were still the best offense in the Big Ten and they were still an offense that put up forty plus points against Georgia and a defense loaded with NFL guys and a n- now two time defending national champion. Like the offense isn't broken, so. How much of the wheel needs to be in re- reinvented? Maybe none. Um, can it be better? Sure. Is there something wrong with the practice habits? I don't think so. I mm-hmm. mean, there's still, you know, I'm I'm not sure. Other than some decisions in game that we thought maybe didn't fit well, that there was some developmental breakdown. Like I, I referenced that uh, on OhioState.Rivals.com on Monday. Like you can't say that that's the problem when Paris Johnson. Duan Jones and Luke Whipple are all out one as a project two as two guys that are out in three years to go to the next level uh, and potentially be early round draft picks like all the talent is coming along just fine. So the, the coaching setup, the technique, the fundamentals, all of that seems like it's perfectly fine. I think if there were issues where Ohio State got bogged down, it would be, you know, schematically and in-game situations and play calling that at least from the outside perspective didn't seem ideal or perfect. So does that require moving around in different spots on the practice field? Probably not. And I think it may be no offense to any other, you know, Devin Jordan specific specifically here, but like it may be a disservice to those wide receivers who expected to be developed by Brian Hartline and cranked through this assembly line to take him away and have him going to see what's going on with the offensive line or the running backs. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. As you said, I guess that's why we're going to go look and see if it does, but like I would I'm not really on alert for that part to change because everything else. like you want Ryan Day to be working with quarterbacks and you mm-hmm. want Brian Hartline to be working with wide receivers, like that's that's why these guys came here in the first place.
1: Yeah, and, and to your point, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that that uh <laughs> that uh way of doing things cuz uh the offense to your point has, has been uh pretty explosive these last few years. I got yeah, I don't I don't I don't think it should change. I I actually I would be more like, oh, that's weird if it did change than than if it than if it doesn't change, because <laughs> um, I don't, I can't even recall honestly like Kevin Wilson was a tight ends coach in addition to being the offensive coordinator. Now now Brian Hartline's offensive coordinator does feel different than Kevin Wilson's offensive coordinator, um, but even then I don't like Kevin Wilson wasn't roaming around like, hey Trey right. Henderson, how you doing? Like oh, was, how you feeling <laughs> through practice? Like he was with the tight ends until it was time to to get the full offense together and go against the defense. So I'd imagine that's how it'll be, um, and and. Probably that point will be made pretty clear to us, like as soon as we get in there and start start seeing them break into individual drill during practice. But, um, it was it was something that like popped into my head as I was thinking about things on on Monday. Like, oh, I wonder if, like, I wonder what, how different Brian Hartline's life is during practice, or if it's more about just kind of during the week game plan stuff. And we'll talk to him later in the week too. Maybe we can pick his brain on that as as well. Um, and that, but I guess with that, like, I. They're going to have a lot of opportunities to put these young receivers into competitive situations that that I'd imagine they just didn't have last year. Two of the guys weren't here in the spring. Um, Caleb Burton, I can't I can't remember if Caleb Burton, who was here last spring, was was 100 to the point where he could um, participate fully. Um, but even if he could, so that's like two of the four second year guys weren't here. And imagine through the summer and the fall, they they weren't able to do a whole lot. Um, but now they can with with the the situations with Emeka Buka and Julian Fleming sitting out. So what are, I think mostly Ryan Day, but certainly Brian Hartline, who also wasn't asked about that group when we talked to him last time, what are they looking for from basically every receiver who's not Marvin Harrison, Julian Fleming, Emeka Bucca and Xavier Johnson? Like, What do those guys need to show you to find a way to be a part of the operation? That's probably hard either way because of those four guys that I mentioned are good and established, but if there's room for them to get into the rotation, what did they have to show you
0: over these 15 practices to get in there? That part is also like hard to project out because we've seen Ohio state play six, but you're talking about a room where like you could with strong springs, you could be making a justifiable case for like nine or 10 guys (laughs) based on their recruiting (laughs) rankings. Right. Like that's not going to happen. Like there's no way that you're taking like, it's not going to happen. and It's not a knock on guys five through 10. It tells you how good the top three and four are, like how hard it's going to be. It doesn't make any sense to take Marvin Harrison off the field or a Mechae Buka or a healthy Julian Fleming. And like, I, I think that Xavier Johnson has done enough to have a role on this team. Like, what does that look like? They have so much talent stockpiled at the skill positions on offense. They, at that part, it can be. That's a blessing. The curse is trying to figure out what to do with it all. It's just the complete opposite of what you do on defense where they're like just trying to get through spring with 13, 14 fewer people available. Like I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how everyone is able to stay fully, you know, happy and fed. That's a that's a problem for a different day. It's un, you know, not something that well, I like to speculate about, but like that's gonna be tough because they have so many guys who are surely going to be capable of playing for Ohio State on offense and just know in one football, like you're not going to draw up a plan that keeps nine wide receivers happy and uh-huh. five running backs and Cade Stover and Joe Royer. I mean, it, it, and G Scott, you know that's that's great that you got all that, but then what do you do with it? It's that's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. I th- I think it
1: could make for a very competitive spring, which is a good thing, but then eventually that dust is going to settle and guys are probably going to end up feeling some type of way about what they project for themselves in the fall. And then maybe you have some, some difficult conversations there about what things look like moving forward. But, but I think, I think it's a positive in the spring. Uh, it just becomes a little bit uncomfortable, probably. I don't know. What's the date of the spring game, whatever the day after that is.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then what may first is the portal open again like really a fun period of time that will be for everybody there's like don't think everyone's gonna wait until uh two weeks after the spring game to officially make those declarations, but
1: yeah, I think we didn't we have a didn't we have like a first week of spring transfer last year like Ryan Jacoby didn't he leave like at the very beginning yeah. of the spring practice or something
0: yeah, uh yeah, maybe he did I think there were- mo- maybe more than one. Um, Did Noah Potter do that, or was that later on during spring? I can't remember. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I I think on the offensive line for sure. Like they they didn't have transfer portal windows even at that time last year. But we saw that with you know a a Maryland defensive tackle on Monday. Like you could say you're doing it whenever (laughs) you want. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't the 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 (laughs) the, it's not official. I guess I was going to
1: say pen the paper, but it's more like fingers the keyboard. I guess to type your name into (laughs) into that thing. Uh, But yeah, you can announce it whenever, Uh, and it's probably. Better to get your name out there earlier uh, than wait until May first, if that's what you intend on doing. So there could be some movement this year. They they are, if you if you count out what they have now and and what they have coming in with the early or the freshmen who are coming in June, they are over. Um, it's never something I worry about. They always get the eighty five when they need to get the eighty five, but they do need to have some movement. And and there's uh, a few positions that I think you can look at and say like oh, that looks that looks a little crowded and, and receiver is certainly one of them.
0: Yeah. All right. Anything else that you need to know on Tuesday morning? Uh, no.
1: I, I I'm I heard you on the radio uh, with Bo Bishop on Monday talking about this a little bit. Um, just like is the is the run game on the back burner for all of spring because they have like two running backs and some of the defensive line stuff we were talking about. Like how much how much good on good running work can you get this this spring? And maybe typically spring's not for that anyway. So so maybe it's not that big of a deal. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot of to to take your words from you ball ball in the air this spring. I think it's going to be probably like 90% of, of, of what we see given kind of the roster composition at the moment, which is not, it's not a bad thing, especially when you're breaking in new quarterbacks. Um, but I, I do want, like I, I'm a guy who gets excited about like, Oh, Justin Fry's a run game coordinator. Like what might that look like? And we probably won't have any answers about that until August. if If we get them then.
0: Yeah. We always say that about, you know, the spring game, they close it out. It's like, well, they're not going to take guys to the ground. Don't get excited. You're not going to evaluate the run game. Like, I wonder how much of that spills over to the previous 14 practices, and mm-hmm. uh, I, and that's a good question for Ryan Day to answer on day one because, again, it doesn't even have to just be about the defensive numbers or the defensive line or how much you want to hit. Like, we know that the desire is probably going to be there that they want to take another step forward as a, a tougher. Especially short yardage rushing team. Like that was the emphasis. And I'm not sure that they fully accomplished what they wanted a year ago, but it's not only about the defensive numbers. It is also about the fact that Mayan Williams is coming off injury. Travion Henderson uh, is not going to play in the spring because of surgery. Evan Pryor's coming back from the knee injury. Like if you're just talking about Chip Traynham and Dallin Hayden, I mean, what, how much do you really learn from that anyway? The refs would be great for Dallin Hayden. We thought that he probably deserved more of them. Uh, in November, then he got. Uh, yeah, I felt like he he earned that. But you know, how much do you really get out of in the spring for that? I don't know, uh, because you're not yeah. trying to hurt yourself in March and April either. Like that's always the balance. That's that's college football, any f- level of football forever. What you want to accomplish on the practice field, but the situation doesn't really seem to line up to let them go run the ball it, over the next fifteen workouts.
1: It it doesn't, and and honestly, like I. I I truly think that's okay. Like I'm, I'm maybe there are Ohio state fans who are, who are like, what do you mean? Like they got to work on it. They got to get it done. Like you don't, I don't think you have to get every single little thing that's on your checklist done in the spring. Um, and you want to be smart about it and you want to first and foremost, make sure you come out of it, out of it healthy. So if, if, not running the ball as much is a is a casualty of that. Um, I I think Ohio State can be okay because honestly, the most important thing for the run game next year, I, and I I do think they can change some things up schematically. It's Mayan Williams and Trayvon Henderson being healthy. I think <laughs> more than anything else. So yeah, uh, whatever it takes to get those guys to that point, and then uh you can put some good work in on that in, in the summer, hopefully.
0: At the same time, at the same it would time. be nice. Yeah, yeah at the <laughs> same time. Not every other week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. not a tag team in and out. All right, well, uh, we'll get to see some of that on Tuesday morning. We will have full coverage of it, uh, some snap judgments. We were going to uh, have roosters later on. On Tuesday, we will have some observations at ohiostate.rivals.com as soon as we leave the field. Hopefully, that's not for uh, an hour and a half or two hours, but uh, we'll see if we get. Uh, a little bit, a bit of good fortune and a great SID day from Jerry Emig. <laughs> we'll see how that transpires. But uh, it is an exciting day. Ohio State's back on the practice field for the first of 15 spring workouts. Uh, Bill Landis will be there. Jeremy Birmingham will be there. And I will be there. I'm Austin Ward. And thank you for joining us on the Podcast Daily for Tuesday. Uh, we will talk to you later.